Oh, let's do it unto the Lord. Praise God. So glad, so glad I'm not doing anything. I feel like I'm at home. I don't want to hurt your feelings. I didn't mean so much your good worship. I was talking about the sound system. Because I'm almost bankrupt with my sound system, and I still can't get it to work right. Sometimes I'm just up here waving. We're having church. <laughs> Sound systems. Anybody gets saved from there and goes to heaven, that is a miracle of grace. Amen. <laughs> Two of the hell holes in church is the sound system and the choir. And, I, and I'll tell you why. I've got Bible for it. According to the scripture, Lucifer, before he fell, was the anointed cherub that covereth. And that literally means he was in charge of God's throne praise and worship. He was the light bearer or the light bringer. And uh, that's why you have trouble when you try to praise and worship because he got fired for non-performance and you take his place. <laughs> praise God. Well, Cody, thank you for inviting me, Pastor. Thank you for letting us be in your wonderful facility. Of course, my dear friend, Brother James, that I've known him when he was a young man. And I was young, too. Of course, Brother Cox and his little girlfriend were always so happy. So glad he's sticking with you. Amen. Just a few opening remarks, okay? And then I'll preach. I read a book the other day, and if you don't remember anything else I say today, remember this statement. It's not mine. I read it in a book. But the fellow said in the book, if you don't plan on being any better tomorrow than you are today, why should God give you a tomorrow? Is that powerful? Wow. Honored to be with you. I'd like to read in the scripture get there right away. I'm sorry for my uh, clothes being lost somewhere, but that's just the way it is. Uh, I'm reading from the book of Psalms, chapter 8. Psalms, chapter 8, beginning with verse 3. I know I was supposed to be here Thursday and Friday, but at my own stupidity, I shot myself in the foot. I have to be somewhere Saturday. So I couldn't come. And Brother Dakota said, well, you just got to come Wednesday and Thursday, and my church, pray for my church. It's had a heart attack tonight. I don't ever miss Wednesday, and I don't miss Sunday. I miss one Wednesday because of the times, and one Wednesday when I'm preaching for home missions people in Alaska, as well as fishing. And I miss one, one Sunday a year, and I've got a million miles now on my carcass flying around. So my church had a heart attack when I didn't walk out the side door tonight. So uh, who knows? I may be evangelizing Sunday. <laughs> amen. Amen. Hey, turn and look and smile at somebody and say, just lighten up, Lucille. Take it easy. 
I want to commend this, not only this music tonight, but I want to commend the choir. They're one of the few choirs that I preached in front of uh, for 30 some odd years of preaching that I ever saw smile. Most choirs just sing. This choir smiled and sang, and I appreciate that very, very much. Now, I'm going to take you on a, on a journey tonight. I don't think you've ever heard this because I've never been here. And I don't know anybody else in Pentecost that knows this but me. So I'm going to preach, and I'm hopefully I can inspire you and challenge you, okay? I'm not, put your guard down. I'm not here to beat up anybody. Verse 3, when I consider thy heavens, the work of thy fingers, the moon and the stars which thou hast ordained, what is man that thou art mindful of him, and the son of man that thou visitest him? Let me just put out a question for you, you brilliant theologians from Louisiana. It says, thou visitest him. He who dwells in the light that no man can approach visits you. I want to ask you a question. What's the distance between deity and dust? What's the distance between deity and an angel? What's the distance between a, a snail and an elephant? What, what's the difference between a, a guppy and a whale? They're both the same species, but they're not the same. Consider the distance that Almighty God traveled to help you out. That's, that's phenomenal. Now, now just stay with me just a minute. What is man? And I said all that. For thou hast made him a little lower than the angels. Now I know the bishop of the district is here. And I'll behave the best I can. But that is a mistranslation. I don't want to hurt your feelings. You can check it in any Hebrew Bible. In any Hebrew concordance. That's not what it says. That is a translation. Thou hast made them little lower than the anglios. That's not the word. The word in the Hebrew says, Thou hast made them a little lower than Elohim. Now you didn't hear me. I'm sorry. The mic was off. He said, When you made man, you made him as near to yourself as you could be without making another God. Crowned him with glory and honor, made him to have dominion over the works of thy hands. Thou hast put all things under his feet to save time. Let me just read this stuff because it'll take you too long to get there. I'll just read Psalms 119 and 130. The entrance of thy words giveth light. It giveth understanding to the simple. 144. The righteousness of thy testimony is everlasting. Give me understanding and I shall live one more scripture is in the book of Ephesians chapter 1. Just let me go to myself. Ephesians 1, 17 and 18. That the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give unto you the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him. Here it is. The eyes of your understanding being enlightened. That you may know what is the hope of his calling and what the riches of the glory of his inheritance 
in the saints, the exceeding greatness of his power to us who believe, according to his working of his mighty power. These epistle was written to one God, Jesus name baptized, Holy Ghost tongue talking people. And simply Paul says, by the way, the reception of the Holy Ghost ain't enough. He said, I'm asking God to expand the horizons of your spiritual mind that you might understand the magnitude of the one who stepped inside you to live. The eyes of your understanding being enlightened. I'm sorry, I've got to read one more scripture. Proverbs 4, verse 5. Get wisdom, get understanding, forget it not, neither decline from the words of my mouth. Forsake her not. She shall preserve thee, love her, and she shall keep thee. Wisdom is the principal thing, therefore get wisdom. And with all thy getting, get understanding, exalt her. She shall promote thee, she shall bring thee to honor when thou dost embrace her. She shall give to thine head an ornament of grace, a crown of glory, shall she deliver to thee. I know I've read a lot for you and I've got you somewhat perplexed and confused, but you understand that the preeminent thing in life for the writers of the scripture is says that you might get understanding. And there's five verses I just read from you. And out of the five verses, ten times it's recorded. Understanding is in the female gender. She and her. Now, ladies, I don't want to hurt your feelings. It ain't got nothing to do with you. There's a reason why the Holy Ghost inspired the writer to say, Understanding is a her, and understanding is a she. Why? Because if you can get understanding, understanding can make you, like a woman, give birth to fruitfulness and overcome barrenness. Lord, bless the ministry of the Word and help me to preach like a house of fire. Save and heal and deliver and set free in Jesus' name. And everybody said amen. amen. God bless you. You may be seated. Thank you for standing. Let's synchronize watches. It's 9.30, 8.30 your time. I'll be done shortly. I tell people in our church all the time, hey, you folks can afford to stay here. You can afford to stay here. Because you don't want to be in a hurry going to hell. You can afford to stay here. I'm going to go another one and tell you this. Let the devil go to hell by himself. Don't make up a posse of Pentecostals for him. Let that dirt bag go to hell by himself. Woo! Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Are you with me? We spend so much time in the Pentecostal rank, and rightly so, trying to exalt and magnify God and teach everybody who God is, what God is, how great God is, and there's nothing wrong with that. That should be preeminent in our lives. The problem I've seen in 35 years of screaming my guts out across this movement is, is when nobody's given much, much attention to who we be. 
That's just what I thought. See, we've always been taught you shouldn't believe in yourself. You ought to be humble. You shouldn't be haughty. You shouldn't be proud or arrogant or egotistical. I'm all for that. But that doesn't mean that I should not believe in how great I've been made by God. And how valuable and how worthy and how important I am made from the baptism of the Holy Ghost. And that my restoration to my original position far supersedes this little negative something that I'm nobody. If you're nobody, how come two worlds want you? Now, I want, I want you to sit down. I want to clear the air. By ourselves and in ourselves and through ourselves, we are nothing. But by the grace of God and the mercy of God and the presence of God and the Spirit of God and the love of God and the power of God and the person of God, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us and gave himself for us. Now, I don't know what I don't know what happened, just Mr. Mike, but just keep my my joy juice up. I'm old. My geritol don't kick in for a few hours, so keep this thing flying. I don't want to hurt your feelings. I'll show you how much I believe in myself. I don't care if I blow up this dumb three dollar mic. I'm a million dollar preacher. Keep the thing up. You think I'm kidding? You kept it up for the music. You kept it up for the, for the deaf things. Keep it up for me. God has chosen through the foolishness of preaching to save them that believe. You got to get a baptism of understanding. You need to understand that God loves you and hell hates you and hell can't have you. Don't tell me I'm not somebody. Greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. You you can sit down. Now, I don't want to be misunderstood because, and I know I have the danger of doing that, to try to say you're somebody. I'm saying you are somebody in Jesus Christ. You are nothing and nobody outside of Jesus Christ. But when God moves into your caucus and fills you with His Spirit, you understand what you are? You are pregnant with God's DNA. No, I don't think you hear me yet. I'm going to be here a while, apparently. Do you understand that when Jesus stepped on that cloud and went to glory, you became His replacement body? You're the body of Christ. You're the building of God. You're the temple of the Holy Ghost. You're the house of God. You're the bride of Christ. You're the thing that God is interested in this earth. I I, I don't want to hurt your feelings. I'm just visiting, but I'm so tired of this trash. You got, you got to be humble. Yes, we got to be humble, but you ain't got to be stupid. You know, you can be humble and still have more degrees than a thermometer. 
Just to be humble means you don't think more of yourself than you ought. But when you think that I am God's body. Let me try it again. I'll help you, Louisiana. You ready? You're the baddest thing in this city. You may not believe it, but hell's afraid of you. Hell is intimidated by you. If you ever wake up to who you are and what you are and who's inside of you, you'll start doing the works of the kingdom. I'm trying to talk to you tonight about the awesome power of understanding. See, when you don't understand who you are, it don't matter who you are. You didn't hear what he... If you don't understand who you are, then hell can intimidate you. Then your latest failure can hold you hostage. I read a story one time with Abe Lincoln making a statement saying, I don't care so much that you've fallen down and made a mess. I'm just concerned that you're content to stay there. I may have fallen down, but I am not a failure. That's why the Bible said, Rejoice not against me, O my enemy, for when I fall, I shall arise. And when I sit in the darkness, the Lord shall be my light. Woo! Well, well, you folks that are standing up, would you turn and shout at someone sitting down and say, You know, the devil's after me. You know, hell wants me. But it can't have me. Because Jesus prayed for me. And those are the most powerful prayers that have ever been prayed. You you didn't sit down. I don't don't want to delay where I'm trying to go, but I'm just keyed up right now. I mean, the world I live in, they, they put me in my place because I don't have enough degrees. And the world that I'm in puts me in my place because I don't have the money that they have. And the world that I live in puts me in my place because I am not successful with their concept of success. But when I can step out of the world and step into the kingdom. Isn't it funny when Jesus was in the wilderness, hell tried to make a deal three times. Stones to bread, jump off the pinnacle, bow down and worship me, I'll give you the kingdom. When he said no, what same chapter, chapter 4 of Matthew, chapter 4 of Luke, when he came out and he walked into the synagogue and there was a demon-possessed guy, because demons do go to church. Isn't it funny that a guy with a demon could enjoy being in that church day in and day out and nobody said beans. But here comes a Holy Ghost anointed man and now Satan who wanted to make a deal before now says, let us alone. 
That's how you can usually tell if you got a devil dealing with your attitude and your spirit when you don't want the preacher to talk to you. You don't want the preacher to deal with you. You don't want any kind of authority figure to help you. We're not here to hurt you. We're here to set you free. We're here to make you more than you are. You know what blows my mind about us holy rollers? Hell's got more faith in God than we have. Jesus walked up in Mark 5 to the original streaker. He was the original streaker. He wore no clothes. He lived in a cemetery plot. And they walked up. I mean, they come running. Legion of devils in this naked guy. Isn't it funny that his attire didn't bother Jesus? It only bothers church people. Now, let me help you with it. You can usually tell what kind of spirit you have by how little clothes you wear. When Jesus got finished with him, he was clothed in his right mind and sitting at the feet of Jesus. That's how you can tell if you have an encounter with God. You will let God change you. Let God improve you. Let God bless you. Let God enrich you. Excuse me, Bishop, but, but uh, this will be my last time looking over here. But that guy would, with a legion of devils in, come running to Jesus and says, Don't cast us out into the deep, please. <laughs> Demons know all Jesus got to do is, Hey! But Pentecostals, we got to pray and pray and pray and pray and pray. And all you need is one word. Where the word of the king is, there's power. And who can say unto him, what doest thou? The demons knew that if Jesus said, you got to go, you got to go. How come we don't believe that we can get one word from the king and he can fix what's wrong with us and he can turn us around and he can give us a new direction and he can give us a new value in life. I, I'm so, I don't mean to bother all of you people. I didn't mean to wake all of you up at one time. Just look, look at me, all you folks sitting here in the cheap seats. Let me help you with something. Are you ready? You are the offspring of a speaking God. Well, that was kind of wussified. Let me try it over here. Just look. You are the offspring of a speaking God. Now, now you understand something. God is some stuff that we can't explain nor comprehend. Because the scripture says God is almighty. Now you cannot understand almighty because there's nothing in your world with which you can make correlation with. See, you learn by comparing. Your comparison helps you step out into the unknown. So you go to the next level. But there's nothing to compare in this world as almighty. There's nothing. So when you say God is almighty, you're talking about stuff your brain goes bzz, bzz. You, you don't have anything that's almighty. 
Now, now, now you got to stand here. Just, 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 I, I'm not going to look over there no more. Just look over. You, you understand? So, so God, who is almighty, whatever that means. Oh, I know all the theologians and the scholars in Bible school, they all know what it means. They don't know what it means. They're making up junk. They don't know what it means. How can you say what is almighty? I mean, that. you got a God that has no limitation. You can't relate to that. Everything in our life's got limitation. You got a God that's all knowing. That's impossible. There's nothing that's all knowing, all wise, fills all time and space, has no boundaries, has no limit, has no limitations. Are you ready for this? And He's on your side. And if God be for me, it doesn't matter who's against me. Sit down, sit down. We got to go fast here. I got a long way to ride. Now you understand. Are you, I'm back to this club. You ready? You're, you're, the, you're the offspring of a speaking God. God is almighty, whatever that means. Now watch this. I, you you got to hear me. Now. And yet God being almighty, whatever that means, he never could and never did make anything with his mouth shut. He lets church people try to do that. You're, you're not getting it yet. Life and death is in the power of the tongue. The creative energy of God is released from his lips. You are made in his image. That means faith and power is released from your lips. That's why you ought to make a joyful noise under the Lord. You ought to serve the Lord with gladness. You need to enter into his courts with thanksgiving and into his courts with praise. You need to make his praise glorious. You need to make his praise to be heard. You need to lift up your voice with a loud sound. Sit down, sir. I'm sorry. I'm just having to have all these commercials before I can get to the program. I wouldn't be intimidated sitting next to some nincompoop that doesn't want to make noise. You think I'd let some moron steal my shout because they give you a look? You don't know like I know what he's done for me. Well, he filled me with the Holy Ghost. He brought me out of the miry clay. He set my feet on the rock to stay. He has established my going. You can sit there all you want to. Please be seated. I, I'm, I'm having a hard time getting to where I need to go here. Just sit there. Funny, you open your mouth about everything else. You talk about Hillary and Billary. You talk about Ted Kennedy. You talk about the Democrats. You talk about the trash that's going on with the economy. You talk about the weather. You talk about sports. Then all of a sudden it comes to God and you got locked jaw.
Let me help you. If he never answered a prayer, if he never healed you, if he never helped you, keep your mouth shut. But if he ever helped you one, if he ever blessed you, if he ever encouraged you, if he ever brought you out of depression, if he ever took away discouragement, at least you could say thank you. You can be seated. I'm not looking over there. Hey, no, I'm, I'm saying all that for a reason. I'm not saying to get a response from you. I just don't understand that people just, well, I'm just not emotional. What, what did you say? Well, I put, put your little sassy hip out there and throw your hand. But I'm just not emotional. You got kids, ain't you? You jumped up and down the last time you caught that six-pound bass and that nine-pound catfish. And when you got that new truck, you almost got saved all over again. Don't tell me you're not emotional. Just be honest. You're selective about your emotions. I know I say this all over Pentecost, and I'm not tired of saying it. We got a 61, 62 million dollar lottery in Florida, supposed to go for education. Yuck, yuck, yuck. <laughs> Educate them fools buying all them tickets. <laughs> Damnable attitude of lottery is simply this I want something for nothing. The rest of us slobs, we work, you want something for nothing. And so they, so they call you at 11 o'clock tonight. And of course, you're too much Christian to buy one of them tickets. So somebody of your relatives bought one and put your name on it and turned it in there. I'll accept that. But 11 o'clock tonight, you got your hair in rollers and you got mud on your face and you're dressed in your pajamas and you're laying in bed and all of a sudden the phone rings. Hello, Lucille Snotgrass. This is the authentic office of the lottery and we picked your name for the winning number and you've won $62 million. Now, wait a minute. Now we'll do the Pentecostal thing that some of you do. Well, 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 praise the Lord. Oh, glory. No, you know what? I think the most carnal wacko in this church, if they told you you won $60 million, you'd jump step in the air. You'd run down the street in your underwear. You'd jump all over the place. I just won $62 million. You know what? If you got $62 million, you ain't going to worry about his opinion. Buy yourself some more friends. You ain't going to worry about him. Or they said, by the way, you just got an all-expense tour to Honolulu. You'd be jumping and carrying on. I got better news for you. You've won an all-expense trip to New Jerusalem. Your name has been written in the Lamb's Book of Life. Nothing can separate you from the love of God.
look at somebody and say, by the mercy and grace of God. Now, here we go. Say it loud. I'm somebody. You're not, you're not here. That was, that was so weak when you said that. Let me try it again. I'm so much a somebody, God's putting on a rapture for me. He ain't coming for the NFL. He's not coming for NBC. He's not coming for the balls people. He's not coming for Wall Street. He's not coming for Hollywood. He's not coming for Madison Avenue. He's coming for Jesus' name. Holy Ghost filled people. He's coming back for me. That means I'm somebody by the mercy and grace of God. Hold on, I'm not going to let you sit down a second. Turn and look at somebody and say, say, by God's mercy and grace, I'm such a somebody that the God of the universe is building me a house. It's got walls of jasper and it's got gates of pearl and it's got transparent streets of gold. And he's coming back so I can go live there. Remember, ladies and germ sickles of the jury, a thief, when he breaks into your house, does not steal garbage bags. He does not steal ex-chicken bones. He doesn't bring out any leftover liver, Worcestershire baloney. He looks for treasure, not for trash. Jesus said, Behold, I come as a thief in the night. The thief ain't coming for trash. The thief is coming for treasure. The thief... The thief is coming for something valuable, something precious, something worth his trip. You, you can sit down. Excuse me. Understanding. With all you're getting, get understanding. See, we've got understanding about the new birth Jesus' name, baptism, the Holy Ghost talking in tongues, the body of Christ. We have that. The understanding of the mighty God in Christ. We have that. But we're lacking the understanding of God's viewpoint of us. You can be damned and condemned and ridiculed and made into smush just by accepting the estimation of a fellow believer. Who do you think you are? <laughs> I'm Jesus' girlfriend. <laughs> Though I realize that violated your Louisiana Cajun mind, but the Bible said that Jesus is our Jewish boyfriend and we are his Gentile girlfriend. And after a while, he's coming back and we're getting hitched. <laughs> and God don't believe in divorce. Please bear with me just a minute. I'm just, I'm, I'm wacko. See, you thought I lost my sin. I didn't lose it. Do you hear me talking to you, young lady? You ready for this one? You're the offspring of a speaking God. He never made anything without opening his mouth. He said, let there be, and there was. He is so powerful 
that if Jesus opened his mouth in a cemetery, he'd have a resurrection. Sometimes when Jesus went by some dead people, I'm convinced he just went. Oh, yeah, because one time he walked up, a guy who was stiff and dead and rotten like a corpse for four days. And he went, Lazarus! If he can call a dead man four days, he can call anybody in this house. If you're dead in sin, if you're discouraged, if you're messed up, if you made a mess out of your life, God can call you back to life. Bear with me one more minute and I'll get to my son. Are you ready? Oh, spring of a speaking God. Watch this. Oh, God, here we go. The devil wants you to shut up. God wants you to speak up. You need to confess it. I am more than a conqueror. I am loved by God. I am blessed by God. I'm blessed going out. I'm blessed coming in. You got to believe that. You sit down. I read a, I read a Psalms the other day. I'm trying not to look over here, Bishop. Keep my word. I, I read a Psalms the other day. It's one, I think it's 119, 165. I don't know why I've read 119 probably 50 times. I don't know why it just jumped up me. Here's what it says. Lord, thou hast dealt well with thy servant. I can't, I can't believe you folks. And all the while, David said, Thou hast dealt well with thy servant. When you should have wrote me off, you called me back. When you should have let me go to a devil's hell, you showed me mercy and put me under conviction. When you should have let the devil have me, you rebuked the devil and said, You can't have her, you can't have him, and you can't have their children. Thou hast dealt well with thy servant. Give me one more minute and I'll get to my sermon. Offspring. Children of all. Now sit there. Don't take off running. I'm going to share something with you. Then you can take off running. Offspring of a speaking God. Mark chapter 4. They said, pass over the other side. It's okay. And Jesus goes to sleep. Doesn't it frustrate you when in your storm God seems to be sleeping? I used to worry about that and say, why would he sleep? Then the answer came, your storms don't bother him. Why? Because he's the baddest thing going. Yeah. All, all my preaching life, you stay right there, Rufus, I'm coming back. You stay right there. All my preaching life, I used to wonder, what an act of unbelief when they ran back and they, they woke him up and said, Master, carest thou not that we perish? And I used to think, boy, what an act of unbelief. Then I began to see it differently. God began to help me. And he's, consider this. They run up to a man who is sleeping in a boat. And they say, 
Carest thou not that we perish? Watch this. What could he do? <laughs> Unless there was more faith in their request than appears. Master, the wind's blowing. The rain's falling. The water's in the ship. We're going down. Don't you care? Now watch this. You understand Jesus was the speaking God camouflaged in a body. He, he, he was deity in dust. He, he was the creator in clay. Now, now watch. Watch. This has always been so funny to me. And they wake him up with the terror of their fear. Don't you know we're going to die? Watch Jesus being alarmed by the situation. Understanding the depth of fear and trepidation that these men are suffering. Watch him as he bolts towards the front of the boat. Yeah, you, 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 you folks that were just sitting staring, you missed the great theology that I brought you. Oh, I know what it says in Mark 4. He says, peace be still. That's an acceptable translation, but that's not what it says in the original. In the original it says, and Jesus opened his mouth and said, be thou muzzled. I said, now what is all that about? Then the explanation comes. Read it. It says, it's the declaration and voice of a superior talking to an inferior to behave. It's like you Louisiana boys with all your pickup trucks and your hunting guns and your crazy pit bulls. Even as nasty as those pit bulls are, the owner can walk up and say, hey! That dog can be growling, just carrying up, and you go out there with it. Hey! That dog, you oh. You know what nature did that day when Jesus said, be thou muzzled? They looked at each other and said, that's the boss. That's him. That's the one that created us. That's the one that gave us our being. And it shut down instantly. You're not hearing me yet. That same Jesus is inside you right now. And if you would open your mouth, you could tell your storms and your depression and your defeat and your frustrations to shut its mouth. Okay, now I'm going to get to my sermon. It's only a few minutes long. What is man that thou art mindful of him? I can't get by anything. Everything keeps exploding in my brain. If you read that statement in the original Hebrew, it's, it's much more powerful. It doesn't say, what is man that thou art mindful of him? It says, what is man... That your mind is full of him. You're not getting, let me try it again. 
16 and 9 Chronicles the eyes of the Lord run to and fro throughout all the earth beholding the good and evil to show himself strong in behalf of them whose heart is perfect towards him when you got up this morning you were on God's mind when you went through your day's activity you were on God's mind when you're going through your struggles and your pain and your problem and your kids are driving you crazy and your finances running out you are full in God's mind God has not stopped thinking about you just because your situations look bad. I never had had the President of the United States think about me, nor the Queen of England, nor Elvis, nor the Beatles, nor anybody else. The mayor, the congressman, not even the cops think about me. But I got up this morning and God said, I'm thinking about you. That means nothing can happen to us without divine permission. Nothing can invade our life without divine permission. Pastor, can I, can I have a few more minutes? I don't want to belabor the point. I haven't got to my sermon, but you need to hear this. What is man that thou art mindful of? Here he is. I'll tell you what man is. Man is the only creature that was made in the image of God. Now you got to hear me because I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to make you think. And Pentecostals cannot shout, talk in tongues, blow bubbles, dance, and think. They can't do that. So we'll let you sit for just a minute. Listen to me. And he said he made man in his own image after his own likeness. Now watch this. An image is not the substance. The image is the shadow. Watch, revealing the substance. Man is not God. Man is made in the image and likeness of God. And when God finished forming him from the dust of the earth, and the scripture says he breathed into him the breath of life. That's why in the book of Job 32 and 8 and 33 and 4, it says there's a spirit in man. And the inspiration of God giveth understanding. Then he says in 33 and 4, The Lord, the Spirit of God has made me, and the breath of the Almighty hath given me understanding. <laughs> and when Adam woke up, he looked up, and he said, Hi, Dad. And Dad said, Hi, son. And he was as close to God as he could be, higher than any other creature. Made in the image. You're not getting it yet. I got to go slow. I'm in the bottom part of Louisiana. I go slow. Watch. Come on. Come on, y'all. Hush puppies and hominy grits. Come on, y'all. Etouffee. Come on, y'all. Crawfish. You ready? Listen to me. When you walk out in your yard in the morning and the sun is up, if you walk up at 8 o'clock, your shadow will go from here to that door. If you come back out at 10 o'clock, the shadow will be half the distance and more precise and more exact. And from the shadow, you can tell more about the substance. Because, see, the shadow has come in between the light, and the light hits, the, hits this thing and creates a shadow. Watch. Come out at 11 o'clock, and your shadow will be within two feet of you. And by looking at the shadow, we can tell a lot about this being. But if you come out at 12 o'clock, there's no shadow. There's all substance. No, no, you're not kidding. 
Galatians said, in the fullness of time, high noon, Jesus showed up and he said, oh no, I'm not a shadow, I'm the substance. He that has seen me has seen the Father. I and my Father are one. The book of Romans chapter 5 said, Adam was made in the similitude and figure of him that was to come. Adam was the type. Jesus is the prototype. Now, you may not be able to accept this, but I'll tell you anyway. Adam and Jesus were identical twins. Let me try it again. God made Adam. Watch. In the image, in his mind, of what he would look like when he showed up. Guess what the reason of the Holy Ghost is? That we might be conformed to the image of Jesus Christ. That's what holiness is all about. It's not a dress code. It's a process whereby we are being made like unto Jesus. And when he finishes with the church, the church is going to be just like him. That's why we need prayer. That's why we need preaching. That's why we need worship. That's why we need church. So that we can be conformed to the image of Jesus Christ. You don't want to be conformed to church. You want to be conformed to Jesus. All right, give me just a few minutes and I'll try to stop. So Adam was simply expressing but not explaining. A shadow, but not a substance. A mirror, a reflection, a revealer of that image. You understand? I'm trying to what I've tried to tell you for 35 minutes is simply this. All your dignity comes from who made you. That's why it's a damnable, hellacious lie to believe that vomit from the pits of hell called evolution. Evolution steals your dignity as a human being. You're just some amoeba that split in slime and came out of somewhere and crawled up here. That's a terrible thing. You know why evolution is embraced by the colleges? Takes away responsibility for sin. Takes away purpose for life. If I just came out of slime, if I'm just a, an accident, if I'm just a a cosmic oops. Then it doesn't matter how I live. Let's rape, let's murder, let's kill, let's molest, let's lie, let's cheat. Why? Because I'm just slime that is an oops. You know, you and your husband and you and your wife, you may end up because you're married, end up with an oops. But I promise you, God doesn't have no oops. If you're in the church, you're on purpose. If you got the Holy Ghost, you're saved on purpose. If, if you've been redeemed by the blood of the Lamb, it's on purpose. Yeah. 
Stay with me just a few minutes. If I get too long, preacher, just do this. You understand, when God made man in his likeness, in his image, he made him so much like himself. What? What does that mean? Well, man has emotion, will. intellect and each one of these areas affect the other area if you don't remember anything remember this man's understanding is the birthplace for who and what he worships and who and what he worships decides who and what he serves no no, no, just bear with me just a minute I'm going to mess with you you were made in the image of God like Adam And Adam was tripart. He's not a trinity. There's no such thing as a trinity. He's tripart. Adam is body, soul, and spirit. 1 Thessalonians 5.23. The purpose of salvation and redemption is so that we finally come to fullness and that we're presented unto Jesus Christ in perfection, body, soul, spirit. Body, soul, spirit. Body, soul, spirit. Now stay with me. We're made in the image of God. God is not a trinity. But man has made body, soul, spirit. Now watch. Oh, Jesus, help me. Watch. His body is made so that he becomes world conscious. And his body is given five laboratory assistants called his five senses. His five senses allow him to make contact with the world. It's an insult to God when we try to make our senses, our natural senses, make contact with God in a church service. That perverts the truth. See, God doesn't deal with your body. God deals with your spirit. Because the Bible says that the spirit of man is the candle of the Lord searching all the inner secret parts. So you you understand something. Your body, soul, spirit. Your body makes you world conscious. Your soul, which is your emotion, your will, and your intellect, it makes you self-conscious. Your soul is who you is. The soul is the trophy. But your spirit makes you God conscious. We must guard, ladies and gentlemen. I'm all for motion. We ought to have all we can get. But we must guard lest our churches become soulish churches and not spiritual churches. So that we can be moved by the singing and moved by the music. And there's nothing wrong with that. As long as the moving of your soul can help you move into a dimension of the spirit. Because God deals with the spirit. He doesn't deal with the soul. He doesn't. He doesn't deal with the body. That's the wonderful blessing of God. That's why he gives you the baptism of the Holy Ghost. Your body doesn't receive the Holy Ghost. Your soul doesn't receive the Holy Ghost. Your spirit receives the Holy Ghost. Listen to me. And as we allow the Spirit of God to transform our spirit, Our spirit now moves through our soul, purifies our emotions out of the spirit and the soul. They move to the body so we keep this old nasty carcass mortified. You're not hearing me yet. You're not getting it. 
Don't you get, God is not three. He's never been three. He's always one. But he always deals in threes. When he made the tabernacle plan, it was three compartments. The outer court, the holy place, the most holy place. Why did God give them this little, this, this elementary school thing? They were 400 years slaves. All they knew was sex and slavery and tyranny and idolatry and villainy and vileness and immorality. He had to teach them how to approach him. You see, we Americans, we keep thinking God is like John Wayne. He is not an American. God has never been an American. He never will be an American. You got to hear me. So God's got to teach these ex-slaves how to approach him. In America, you can just barge in on somebody. You can't barge in on the God of glory. He ain't going to let it happen. So they have to approach. So they approach three ways. Watch. The outer court. Excuse me. I'm going to violate my promise. You're staring a hold of me. I'll have to know my breach of promise. I'm looking. The outer court is the body. It's the thing that's lit by natural light. Isn't it funny? The outer court is bigger than any other part of the tabernacle. Why? God's always got more people that only praise and serve by what they see. As you move towards God, remember, as you move towards God, the area gets smaller. You go from the outer court, natural light, into the holy place. That light comes from the altar. It's got seven golden candlesticks, table of showbread. Altar of incense. Now that's a place where the priest takes care of the word. Ministers, offers worship unto God. Incense, right? Now watch. Now it gets so small. Now you go into the Holy of Holies. Now that's total supernatural light. That's the Shekinah. Let me try it again. Body, soul, spirit. One-on-one. I love you. Well, I love you. You're my Lord. You're my child. Now watch. Once you deal with the spirit compartment, now you turn around. Now because you've had energy infused in you in the spirit realm, now you can purify and sanctify and impact the soulish realm. Then you can take those two out into the natural realm and you can affect everybody out there. That's the purpose of living in the spirit. That's the purpose of walking in the spirit. It is the spirit that makes alive. The flesh profits nothing. Have I preached too long? Can I go a few more minutes? Okay, now, now you sit down. All you kids... Under 18, 19, you plug up your ears. This ain't for you. You got to hear me. This is so powerful. You see, when Adam sinned, the light went out. You got to hear me. I saved you four years in Bible school. They don't know it. And I won't tell them. You hear me? He had God's divine nature. He breathed into him the breath of God. The breath of God is the spirit of God. Watch. Adam is alive spiritually. He is God conscious. He enjoys God. He's never afraid of God. 
He's his tutor, his live-in professor, the best teacher anybody ever had. Could you imagine when God would walk in the evening and Adam was sitting on the log and that however what that image was sat next to him and said, Hey Adam, how you like the joint I gave you? How's the temperature? Just right? You like all the food? He said, Look there, Adam. You see the sunset? Yes, sir. Would you like me to explain to you what 